Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC in New York, I'm Kai Wright, and this is the United States of Anxiety, Culture Wars. In this series, we're trying to find some context for today's political culture. With all of its drama and chaos and upheaval, we want to know, where did we, how did we get here? Many of our most heated debates have two things in common. First, they are more about culture, our values and identities and shared assumptions, than they are about any particular piece of policy. And second, they have long histories in our cultural battles. So each week, we're trying to explore those histories with you here tonight. And you've just heard a story from WNYC's Amanda Aronchik about the long, long battle between science and religion and industry and really power. The front line in that particular culture war today is, of course, climate change. So over this next half hour, we want to talk with you about how that debate is showing up in your community. And specifically, we're interested in education about climate change. We want to hear from parents, students, teachers, school administrators, anyone connected to how climate science is taught in our schools. Parents, for instance, have you ever questioned something about climate change that your kids brought home from school? Whatever your own beliefs are, have you been concerned about what your kids were being taught? Students, have you ever spoken up about facts or teaching methods that just didn't seem right to you? Give us a call at 1-844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. And you can also tweet us with the hashtag US of Anxiety. And educators, we are really particularly interested in hearing from you. Have you ever felt pressure to present climate change curricula in a way that you just thought was wrong? Call us up, 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. And again, you can tweet us with the hashtag U.S. of anxiety. And so as your calls are coming in, I'm joined now via Skype by Ann Reed. Ann is the executive director of the National Center for Science Education, which is, I guess, a player in the culture war. They're advocating, advocating for science, for, well, I guess for the science part in science education, right? And, and thanks for joining us. And maybe start by quickly explaining what you guys are up to. Uh, hi, Kai. Thank you for inviting me. So the National Center for Science Education has been around for almost 30 years, and its goal is, as you say, to advocate for science in the context of these topics that have become societally controversial but are not scientifically controversial at all. So for many years, our principal focus was evolution, and about six years ago, we added climate change to our mission um, because we found that teachers are in a very difficult situation where they are expected to teach the settled science, but they many of them live in communities where the settled science is not accepted. And so the teacher is put in a in a very difficult cultural place. So you, so 
Go ahead. You, you, you said about six years ago you started at you added climate science to to your 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 mission there. Why? What happened then? What was what was the change there? What's dry? What what sort of prompted that? Well, I think for several years, the staff, I should note, I was not yet at the National Center for Science Education. Uh, I only arrived three and a half years ago. But what had happened was every year, NCSE tracks uh, legislation that's introduced in state capitals across the country. And every year, there are 10 to 14 bills that are introduced that um, usually are designed to provide cover for teachers who want to teach uh, creationism. And they started out as being very directly teachers should be allowed to teach creationism alongside evolution. And as that was declared unconstitutional because it would mean teaching um, a particular religious doctrine in a public school, they've gotten more and more um, uh, obscure in their aims to the point where now they usually say teachers should not be prevented from teaching uh, the strengths and weaknesses of various scientific theories or to teach their students critical thinking about particular scientific theories. Those bills always used to mention evolution. And then probably about 10 years ago, they started also mentioning climate change. Mm. And, and so that was really the triggering factor of having NCSE start looking into what was going on with climate change education. And how would they mention climate change in a, in, in a similar way as evolution or how 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 is it couched? Right. It would just be added in to the list of scientific theories about which critical thinking should be allowed, mm -hmm. which and, when you think about it is a very odd thing to put in legislation. I and mean, you, you never, for example, saw the periodic table listed as something that <laughs> students should think critically about. Uh, it, it was always it, sometimes the Big Bang Theory is in there. Sometimes um, human cloning is in there. Um, I'm not aware of human cloning being taught in any schools, but it's always these topics that are societally fraught, um, but not scientifically controversial. And these are, is, is this, I gather, these are called academic freedom bills. Are those the bills you're talking about? Yes, that's what, that's what we call them now. Yeah. And where have, where, where are some places we've seen that specifically? Where are some states where that's come up? Um, it's come up in Arkansas in Kansas and Louisiana and Tennessee um, it, it, in Ohio, um, in Indiana, over the years, it's been lots of different states. So that's a significant but, list. I guess part of what I was asking is, is this, you know, one or two places, or is this a good swath of the states in the United States that have these kind of bills? It's usually about 10 or 12 states a year. Um, but I should quickly add that they very rarely go anywhere. I see that they're introduced, but they're not actually on law. Is, is it actually on law anywhere? Uh, in Tennessee and Louisiana. Got it. Yeah. And so then beyond the state legislature, are there other sort of forces that are that are impacting the way climate science is taught? The other place where we see uh, influence of these um, of people who don't want children to be taught climate change directly uh, is in um, discussions of textbooks and discussions of state science standards. So there, every state renews its science standards periodically. They're all on different schedules, but um, when those come up, many states in the past five years have been considering the introduction of something called the Next Generation Science Standards that were developed by a consortium of 26 states. And um, as they consider, and climate change is is um, woven through these standards in a very comprehensive way. And so, in some states, when these standards have come up to be um, considered, they are. Um, spoken out against by some of the legislatures. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. or by the boards of education. So you're listening to the United States of Anxiety, and I'm talking with Ann Reed of the National Center for Science Education about how the battle over climate science is showing up in classrooms around the country. We want to hear from parents, students, and teachers about what you've seen in your school. Call us at 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. Or tweet us using the hashtag US of Anxiety. And Anne, I'm going to bring in some callers for this conversation. Let's start with Charlie in the Bronx. Charlie, hello. You're welcome to, excuse me, welcome to the United States of Anxiety. You're on the air. Glad to, glad to be on the air. Hi, how are you? I'm a, I'm a teacher, uh, and I'm actually a high school English teacher, not a science teacher. And I have no problem talking about climate change as a fact. And most of my students come from more liberal families. Some do not. Um, here's my question uh, that, I'll, that I'll post to both of you. It, it inevitably ends to it with a discussion of the politics of climate change, because students want to know, well, if this is a real issue that's going to affect us and our future generations, why are we not doing something about it? How do I deal with that? Do I do I mention that the Republican Party's official platform is to deny the existence of climate change and that there's no good explanation for this other than that they are um, corporate fascists, uh, one might say? I, 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 that's but, my personal belief. I don't know how to parse that. Charlie, let me ask you this. So, so, so just to make sure I understand, what you're saying is that y- y- the science itself, you don't have a fight about that, that, that. You don't have any trouble with that with your students. No. But then no. the politics come up and you are, you're uncomfortable having a, politi- a, a partisan political conversation. Well, yeah, I don't want to get fired. <laughs> right. I don't want to get in trouble. But, yeah. I mean, that's all, to me it's also a fact that the Republican Party's uh, official position is to deny it. And that, that is the reason why um, – Climate change is inevitable in our future because there is no action. But, How do I discuss that with my students? Let me put that to Anne because Anne, one thing I know, I know, sort of thinking about the polling data on this. I know you guys have done some polls that show that uh, only ten percent of teachers flat out reject climate change. You know, so they they sort of sound like a, most of them are in are in Charlie's camp. Uh, but a you know a pupil poll found that about half of Americans think that climate change is not due to human activity. How did, what do you say to teachers about squaring that circle? Well, what, what Charlie raises it is a, a lot of different issues. And especially as he's an English teacher, it's a little simpler for, um, for science teachers because they, um, are not, their job is not to grapple with the political implications of the science. Their job is to, help the students understand the evidence and how the evidence was collected and how scientists draw conclusions from that evidence. So, um, and I realize that's a little bit of a cop-out because certainly the politics come out there too. Um, But I guess where I would really caution any teacher from going is suggesting that um, action or inaction is wholly dependent on um, one political party's position and the reason is that every Republican does is not in lockstep on that. And the last thing we want to do is drive them into lockstep on that. Um, if you have students in your class who identify as Republicans, whose parents are Republicans, and you start saying Republicans are fascists, 
you're going to lose any ability to communicate with those students. Um, So to say, and and I think that it's also inaccurate to say that nothing's being done. Certainly, um, many of us would like a lot more to be being done a lot more quickly, but uh, actually a huge amount of progress has been made in the last eight years. Lots and lots of industries, lots and lots of communities recognize that climate change is real and happening and poses a, a immediate threat to their communities and they are working on it. Um, so I, I think it's possible to give students yeah. some hope um, and not polarize the situation further. Well, let, we'll get back to that hope question here in a little bit. First, b- before we go to a break, I want to bring in a, a science teacher, Leanne Erickson in Viola, Idaho. Leanne? Woohoo! Go, Leanne! <laughs> Leanne, welcome, yes, to the, welcome, to, to, welcome to the United States of Anxiety. Uh, you have a fan here. Tell us about your experience. Yes, let's see. I teach honors biology at Moscow, Idaho, in Moscow, Idaho, and um, Moscow High School in Moscow, Idaho. And I've found that I really don't get a lot of pushback from either my parents or my students or administrators when teaching about climate change because the students have been set up throughout the year to learn how to have discussions um, without having debates about issues that, as you said earlier, are sometimes considered controversial. So um, we spend a lot of time understanding what the scientific process is, so that by the time we're talking about some of these more supposedly controversial topics, the students know how to have discussions with each other to share their points of view um, without just shouting at each other. Um, and we've given them the tools to listen to each other and ask the kind of questions like, oh, that's interesting, why do you think that? Or, well, wait a minute, but the evidence we're seeing shows this, how do we respond to that? So in general, we actually have very positive discussions in my science classes. Um, As was pointed out on a program earlier this week with Rachel Martin um, as host, the idea that students can often, or people, in my case students, can often talk about solutions to problems and can agree on those solutions, even if they don't necessarily agree on the science behind it. So um, I try to focus primarily on, well, here's our situation. We're already seeing climate change taking effect. What are we going to do if and when? the climate increases by a few degrees. Um, I'm gonna, what let, are the, let, let me, let me stop ahead. you for a second, Leanne. We're going to take a break, and I, I have a follow-up for question for you about that. But stay with us. You're listening to the United States of Anxiety, Culture Wars from WNYC. I'm Kai Wright, and I'm speaking with Anne Reed of the National Science Center for Science Education. And we're also taking your calls at 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. We'll be right back. I'm Kai Wright at WNYC in New York, and this is the United States of Anxiety, Culture Wars. Each week in this series, we're digging into the deep cultural divides that inform our most bitterly contested political fights. Earlier in the hour, we heard a story from WNYC's Amanda Aronchik about how climate science has become a partisan debate. 
So now I'm talking with Ann Reed of the National Center for Science Education about how that debate has seeped into classrooms. And we want to hear from you, parents, teachers, students, about how this is showing up in your schools and in your community. Parents, have you ever questioned something your kids brought home from school? Whatever your thoughts on climate change are, have you been upset by something they were being taught? Students, have you ever spoken up about facts or teaching methods that just didn't seem right to you? And teachers, have you ever felt pressure to present climate change curricula in a way that just did not seem right to you? Our number is 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. Or tweet us using the hashtag US of Anxiety. Uh, and Leanne from Viola, Idaho, we were talking to you earlier before the break, and I want to return to you, you, you were saying that your students were prepared because you've gone through the scientific method. Students are prepared to debate, to discuss without debating this. But mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I'm not really grasping that because if we're talking about something, how do you? If the the, the core thing here is that we're saying that there isn't a debate, right, about about the science. So how how do you how do you have how do you get how do you navigate the difference between a scientific and a political debate in the course of this? Right. So um, there are a number of ways to do it. And again, students have been practicing these methods all year. So one thing they might do is just with any topic that comes up, say, okay, let's go to four corners of the room. If you strongly agree with this idea, um, go to one corner. Mildly agree with it. Strongly disagree. Mildly disagree. And then express your point of view on that backing it up with facts. And students, as they listen to each other, can move around the room to another corner if they want to. So they have that one method of being able to discuss it. I also can just say, instead of saying, what do you think about this, say, well, what are all the different points of view that are out there, or what do you hear in the news about this topic? And so then it's not necessarily the student expressing their own viewpoint, but getting what they're hearing in the news, getting what their parents might be saying, but without them sort of feeling threatened by expressing their own viewpoint. Mm. So that's just another way to get it talking about some of these things, where, as we say, let's face it, unfortunately, they're deemed controversial. Can I ask you, just my last question for you, is, is, is this a categorically different area of teaching than other things you have to teach? Do you feel like teaching climate science is somehow you're doing something, you have to do something different than you do with everything else? No, to be honest, not really, because um, just about everything I teach has some element of controversy in it, because yes, I'm I'm teaching evolution all year long. Um, We're dealing with issues of sexuality when we teach human reproduction. So in some ways, nope, it actually just segues in pretty nicely. And by the time we get to it at this time of the year, students are pretty well prepared to be able to talk about it in actually a pretty civilized way. So it's, it's actually pretty fun. Education works, is basically what you're saying. <laughs> it can. It can be lots of fun. Thank you, Leanne. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's go to Adam in Pittsburgh. Adam, welcome to the, welcome to the United States of Anxiety. You're on the air. Thanks for taking my call. What has been your experience, Adam? It's ironic that the programs today, because just this evening, my son came home from school and said, uh, he's in middle school, and said, oh, we had a debate today on, in class on climate change. And I live in a pretty liberal area. It's a pretty liberal school district. Um, I know his science teacher is a pretty liberal science teacher. And I sort of felt like, you know, what are we going to debate next, gravity? <laughs> 
what was what 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 was the, what did he say about the debate? What what kind of discussion was it? Um, I mean, it was a uh, they uh, actually they divided up the kids. Uh, Jonah, who uh, believes in the science of climate change, uh, took one for the team and went with the one other kid who is uh, anti climate change. But just the fact that it was framed as a debate uh, bothered me. Mm. You know, in the same way that uh, I feel like um, if you had a lump on your arm and you went to 100 doctors and 97% of them had cancer, said cancer, and three of them said, you're fine, um, you know, there's no debate there. And so the fact that it's framed in, as a debate in the science class, I feel like, is already a loss. We're, we're teaching something that's a fact like it's not a fact. You know, we wouldn't do the same thing with um, saying, you know, bacterial infections. You wouldn't have a debate saying, does bacteria uh, cause harm in the human body when it's bad bacteria? Adam, let me ask you this, Adam. Is, was this something different for you at this school? Did you feel like, did that catch you by surprise, or were you like, this is the kind of thing that goes on at this school? No, I, do, I did feel a little bit like uh, it caught me by surprise. Um, I'll put it this way, it's the only thing in the science class, as far as I know, that they call a debate. And so what is, as a parent in this school, does that sort of change your relationship to the school? Is there something you plan to do about it? I, I'm, I'm wondering what, what it, one of the things we're exploring in this series is sort of how people are moved into action. And I'm wondering how this has shaped your relationship to being, to being a parent in that school. I don't know what to do exactly, honestly. Uh, you know, it's a conundrum for me. Hmm. And let's let's put that to Anne. And listening to what Adam's describing, uh, first off, how common is that that you hear where they say, "Okay, well, we're going to talk about this, but let's let's talk about it as a debate." What? Well, when we did our national survey of science teachers, we found um, a, a pretty big minority of teachers said that they would consider using debate in the classroom. So I think it happens quite frequently, but debate really covers a lot of territory. So. Um, this is the kind of thing that NCSE can can really help you with, Adam, if you're interested in pursuing this. Um, but we'd have a lot of questions first. I won't you know, go through all of them by any means. But what grade level and what class was this in? Is Adam still there? Uh, yeah, he's still with us. Adam, what grade level was, was, was this in? This is in seventh grade science. Okay, so general science. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we really recommend against using um, debate in this situation because, as you say, it suggests that there's something scientific to debate. There are situations where the debate is used um, less troublingly, where students are um, tasked with collecting evidence and presenting their evidence and then talking about what evidence um, is credible and what evidence isn't credible and why and um, come to conclusions that way. So there, and, and certainly there's room for debate about what to do about climate change um, and what, what actions would be most effective. But this, this sounds like it really was a debate over the substance of the, substance of the science. And you do, just to clarify on a comment you made there, you, you, your organization does help parents who want to engage on something like this. They can absolutely. reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, Adam, maybe you reach out to, to, to Anne at the National Center for Science Education. Uh, let's go to Nikki in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Nikki. Hi. You're on the air. 
Um, thanks for taking my call. I just had a quick question. Uh, my kids go to a school which is great in many ways, but it doesn't have a super strong science curriculum. I'd say that's the weak area. So I was just wondering what resources you would recommend for parents who want to supplement in education for things like climate change, um, evolution, all, all those areas. That's a good question, Nikki. And you know, what about places that aren't teaching it at all, one way or the other? Yeah, well, we were surprised in our in the survey that we did that um, climate change is being very widely taught, uh, it, even though it is only now really being integrated into st- science standards and textbooks. And um, the teachers have really stepped up and have started to teach it, even though they report that they don't have a lot of training in it. Many of them went through college and didn't learn anything about it themselves. Um, but there are a lot of great resources out um, on the internet for teaching climate change. Um, there's a network called the CLEAN Network, C-L-E-A-N is the acronym, and it has climate change um, activities for every grade level on lots and lots of different topics. It's a terrific resource. Um, NASA and NOAA both have really good educational sites about climate change, so those are two other places you could go to look for materials to supplement your your kids just to follow up though on something you said there i'm, I'm surprised so so, so you, in your research it climate change is broadly taught this is not teaching it at all is not a controversial idea it's how it's being taught that's right and 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 i can't say that you know what we found is that a big majority of teachers are devoting at least an hour or two to climate change that's not a lot, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. but it's not nothing. Yeah. And we found that even about a third of chemistry and physics teachers were reported that they were teaching about climate change, which I would not necessarily have expected. Um, about 80% of biology teachers and, of course, most earth science teachers teach about climate change, but not all kids take earth science. Mm. Let's talk about some of the the hopeful stuff that, that I cut you off on before, earlier in the program. How do you work? So, so you go to local communities and you and you want to engage on this. How do you how do you create an environment where where science is respected in schools? What is your what is the strategy for that? So um, that's a great question, and it's one that we really wrestled with over the last few years. And since we know that most science teachers are on board with the science. Um, and that that any problems that they might have teaching it are more likely to be from a sort of self-censorship or uh, an attempt to manage conflict um, because they're afraid that there will be pushback against teaching it. Um, We feel that helping teachers have more confidence about teaching the topics and even giving them specific tools and approaches um, to, to teach these topics so that they um, head conflict off at the past, which is exactly what um, I think it was Leanne said mm-hmm. about uh, her practices in Idaho, that you start with the evidence and you start with how do you talk about scientific evidence and how is science done. Then by the time you start talking about these more prickly subjects, students already have an idea of what counts as, as credible scientific evidence. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. I, I, I will add a tweet Someone wrote, science takes us to new frontiers, and that is scary and uncomfortable. So that is what we're wrestling with. Thanks to Ann Reed, Executive Director of the National Center for Science Education, and thanks to all of you for your calls and tweets. 
We want to keep this conversation going, keep collecting your stories. So tweet us at the hashtag US of Anxiety or call us and leave a voicemail, 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. I'm Kai Wright, and we will talk to you next week. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here and maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.